What is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show and the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. Today is Saturday, January 6, 2021. The first Full Court Press Basketball Podcast of the year. And I tell you what, it's a special one as I am joined by a regular on the podcast and a good friend of mine, Mr. Blake Lovell. Blake Lovell is the assistant editor for Blue Ribbon College Basketball uh, Yearbook and BlueRibbonReport.com as well. I tell you what, there is nobody better than Blake Lovell in the college basketball media industry. This guy knows us college basketball, and when he comes on the Full Court Press and he comes on the Mitch Davis Show, it's always a really, really fun time. So it's an honor to have Blake Lovell coming on the podcast today. I'm your host and founder of Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, also podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show and the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Mitch Davis underscore eight, or also like the Facebook and Instagram pages by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show. And you can find the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast on YouTube by simply typing in Full Court Press Podcast. So I'll tell you what, it's always a fun time to talk college basketball with Mr. Blake Lovell out of Nashville, Tennessee. And like I said before, there is nobody in the business better than Blake Lovell and what he does in covering the national scene of college basketball and covering the SEC uh, basketball as well. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Be sure you follow me on Twitter at Mitch Davis underscore eight. And for all you college basketball fans, I will be making my way down to Oxford, Mississippi to see the Ole Miss Rebels take on the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. Big time SEC matchup there in Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss is looking for some kind of consistency. Georgia's looking for uh, their first win in SEC play. Blake Lovell talks about all that on the podcast and some more, including what's going on in Lexington with John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. And he also talks about Jerry Stackhouse and the Vanderbilt Commodores, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Florida, Mississippi State, everybody in between the Gonzaga, Gonzaga as well, Iowa Hawkeyes, Baylor Bears. We've got it all here on the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast with Mr. Blake Lovell joining me momentarily to talk all things college basketball. I am joined now by Blake Lovell, assistant editor for Blue Ribbon Yearbook and the Blue Ribbon Report. How are you doing? And a regular on the show. How are you doing, Blake Lovell? And it's always an honor. It's uh, always exciting to talk with you about college basketball. The season has been crazy. I mean, you know, with COVID and everything going on, let's first talk about Gonzaga. Gonzaga really seems to be like the best team in the country. What do you see out of the Zag so far? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're unstoppable. I think that's the best way to put it. I don't really see. I think Baylor at this point is probably the team I, I would put right there on their level, but not exactly on their level. I think they're, they're still a little bit of a step behind uh, this team. I just, I don't know how you stop them. They're just, they're so efficient on offense. Um, they're just so good at what they do. And you know, they're not a bad defense team either. When you have all that, that together, uh, the way they play, when they get up and down the floor, they're just really hard to guard. And, you know, points win games. You have to score more points than the other team if you want to win. 
uh, and they are just elite at that. And uh, this is a team that, you just look at their schedule, um, you know, I think they have to play St. Mary's this weekend on the road, and those games are always interesting, but feel a little different this year without the uh, the atmosphere and such. But, I mean, if you look at their schedule, they're going to be a double-digit favorite in every game they play the rest of the season. Uh, and so, I mean, if they go undefeated, I don't think it would shock anyone at this point uh, just because they're a team that is just so loaded with, with weapons on offense. And um, I just, you know, in the tournament atmosphere, anything can happen. But if you're talking about just in a one-game scenario here during the regular season, I just don't know how anyone beats them uh, just because they're, they're even their average night on offense uh, is probably good enough uh, to beat other people by a couple, you know, 10, 15 points. So. Let's talk about, is this a Gonzaga team that can finally reach that national championship winning uh, potential, or do you see them slipping up possibly in the tournament? I mean, I think if this team doesn't, um, it, the only reason would be just we can chalk it up to some of the other things we've seen this year, and that's just a crazy season. Uh, but if we're just talking pure talent, the way they play, um, this this is undoubtedly one of the best teams he's had there, and that's not just using the you know, recency bias and all that that we tend to use sometimes in grading teams and everything. But, I mean, this team is clear. You, you can just use the eye test and say this team is really on another level you know, when it comes to some of the things that they're able to do. So uh, they're they're going to be the favorites like we talked about. I think no matter what, you know, even if, even if they were to slip up and lose a game somewhere along the way in the regular season, I still think they're going to be the favorites to win this whole thing, um, even with teams like Baylor and, you know, Michigan's played pretty well. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, this, this team's just got it all. And so uh, they're going to be the favorite, I think, until someone stops them. So. Now, who are some of the other national brands that you could possibly think that could, you know, reach that Final Four or a national championship caliber? You mentioned Baylor. You, mis- you mentioned uh, Michigan. Everybody's talked about Tennessee. Who are, who else is uh, being mentioned in, in your mind uh, that could be a national championship contender? Yeah, you know, I'm sure you out of a, a hat a couple of those Big Ten teams and probably saying that, you know, an Iowa or, or some of those other teams like that, if they're really playing well, I mean, they, they could certainly be right there and have a and have a chance, uh, I think, to, to be in that mix. Um, you know, you talked about Tennessee. I think Tennessee, just because they're so good on defense, they're going to be right there. Villanova, they're not going anywhere. I think Texas has certainly been uh, a surprise, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, this season, they've been coming off that loss to Texas Tech, but, you know, that's not exactly what we would classify as a bad loss. Uh, Texas is really good on defense. They're playing the kind of defense that they shot as far as finally wanted them to play. And, you know, knowing that they've only lost to Villanova and Texas Tech, I think Texas will wind up being a team that, you know, has a chance to go to the Final Four. So you could throw them in that mix. Elsewhere, um, you know, I think, I know a lot of people look at the American, and we're probably looking at a league that's not as strong. As it has been, because you know you've got Memphis and SMU and teams like they, Wichita State. Uh, they've done pretty well for the most part, but I think those programs are still a little bit up and down in terms of you know maybe where they're at right now on the national level. But I think Houston's pretty good. Um, I think they're a, they're a team that is just really you know I've always been a big Kelvin Sampson fan. Talk about a team that plays defense. They certainly play defense. Uh, all of the defensive statistical categories. They're you know one of the better teams seemingly in a lot of those. So I throw Houston in the mix. I don't necessarily know if they're they're going to be one of the favorites to win it all, but you talk about teams that can potentially make a Final Four. Uh, I think they could be right there too. Now, staying on the subject of American, what what do you think the issue is with Memphis? A lot of people heading into the season were pretty high up on the Tigers. 
high up on Penny Hardaway. Do you think this is a Penny Hardaway X and O's problem, or do you think this is a guys that aren't gelling together problem? Well, I think it's, I don't know if you can exactly compare it to Kentucky, but I think it's not unlike the situation we see with Kentucky at times where, you know, I mean, some teams just don't, when you have teams that are so young, there are just some teams that are not going to have the chemistry that other teams have had. And I think you're seeing that, you know, with this particular team to where, you know, you can compare it to last year's team or, or whichever teams you want to compare it to. Um, the fact is, you know, they're pretty inexperienced and they've got a lot of young guys still better playing, you know, in some of these spots. And so I think anytime you have that, no matter how talented a team you have, it's just some years are going to be different. You know, for Kentucky, some years you're going to have, you know, Pierre Fox, Malik Monk, and Bam Adebayo and everything just comes together and you're sitting in a spot where you should have a chance to at least get close to the Final Four. Other years, it could be like this, where, you know, the chemistry is not exactly there. Um, things don't mesh the way you think they should. You go out and recruit, you know, five five-star talents and start them at all five positions on the floor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to be able to play, you know, the type of game together within your system that's going to make it work every single night. And I think we've seen that with Memphis. Um, you know, we've seen it with Kentucky. And we just see it at times. I mean, that's what we, you know, we, we always have the debate, you know, youth versus experience. And I think this season, especially in a season like this, where there was virtually no offseason to speak of, um, those teams got a little bit behind. And they're just not to the level that some of these other teams that have had these older guys that have been playing together for two or three years, um, they're able to maybe do some of those things in, in key situations in a game to where they, they kind of know what the other's doing. I think you don't necessarily see that with a Memphis or Kentucky this season. Uh, so I think that experience, especially in a year like this, uh, definitely shows that. Now, staying on the subject of Kentucky, there was an interesting article that came out yesterday from Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, the, the, I think there was an interview with Darren Fox or some of the ESPN guys that said uh, Coach Cal doesn't care about winning college basketball games. Now, I've got to ask you this question. How long until Calipari leaves Kentucky to go to the NBA, or why is he still coaching college basketball if he doesn't care about winning the games. Yeah, I guess that's the uh, that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, and and that's the thing too. This is a very unique situation for Kentucky in terms of where they're at. I mean they're sitting here at four and seven or whatever, um, and and just having a situation where they're not winning games. And, you know, he's built a system there to where he can kinda of know what it looks like. It's bringing in a bunch of guys who for the most part, there's going to be a lot of them that are only going to be there one season. And after that, they're going to be making a lot of money in the NBA. And so, you know, does that always equate to being able to win at a long time? wants to win at every single season. No, it doesn't. And, and we've seen that. The proof is there. Like, the stats show that, you know, they may rack up regular season wins. But for the most part, in terms of winning those national titles, getting to the Final Four as often as they want to, it just hasn't happened. And so I, I think it's – it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things unfold, especially after a season like this, because if you look at things the rest of the way, I mean, there it's going to take a lot of work at this point for Kentucky to make the NCAA tournament, uh, because they don't have anything on their non-conference resume that is going to do any, absolutely anything for them. They have one win, and that was against Morehead State. That's not going to mean anything to the NCAA tournament committee. And right now, the best win they have of those four is against the Florida team that is pretty good, will wind up making the tournament probably – but this is still, you know, a Florida team that has struggled a little bit of time, too. So 
I just think after this year, we're going to have a better idea of maybe what the future looks like for him there. Uh, like I said, with Memphis, uh, there are some things you can draw out of this season to say, okay, they need to fix some of this moving forward. You could also say that this is a unique season, and maybe there are some parts of this where you just throw it away and try to start over next season. But for Kentucky, the expectations are never going to change. Like, they are going to be in place for as long as there is Kentucky basketball. They want to win the national title every single year. Uh, whether you think that's realistic or not, uh, that's just the way it is. And I think it's a situation where as more of these types of seasons, which, again, this is an outlier. This is not the regular thing we've seen from him while he's been there. But if you have more situations like this to where, you know, maybe they're they're starting to go backwards a little bit, even the tiniest bit, and you see someone like John Calperi who knows – that he's gonna, his name's gonna get mentioned. We see it every year, Mitch. Like it's just, you can just put it on repeat, set an alarm on your phone or whatever. When the NBA coaching carousel starts, his name is gonna get mentioned somewhere, somehow, because he is connected to a player because he's got so many former players that are in there. Um, so I'm, I'm very fascinated to see how it plays out uh, because I do think this year, if they don't make the tournament, uh, people are gonna be upset. And, you know, again, whether you can look at it fair or unfair, uh, he's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, to try to do and meet expectations there. Uh, so very interesting to see what happens. Before we get into the rest of the SEC, just off the top of your head, let's say you know Calipari leaves the NBA this year or next year. Who replaces him at Kentucky? I know a lot of Kentucky fans you know, like Billy Donovan, like Jay Wright. Uh, who do you see replacing Calipari at Kentucky? Well, I don't know, but good luck. Whoever, whoever does, uh, that's all I can say. Good <laughs> luck to him because it, it, it is. I mean, it's a hard job. That's the thing is, you know, we, we always ask that question anytime there's been coaching changes and, you know, them making the move here or there and trying to figure out what they were going to do next. Um, but that's the thing is you're always going to think, look at guys who have had past success. Uh, Billy Donovan now, I mean, you know, would Billy Donovan rather have the Kentucky job than the Bulls job? Like, I just think there there's so many different things you have to look at in terms of all these situations. Um, you talk about Jay Wright. I mean, if there's someone that – you know, not necessarily the same as Calipari, but someone who has proven success and has won national championships recently, um, he would certainly be someone that anyone would have at the top of their list, I would think. Uh, it'll still take a little bit of work, I think, to get him away from Villanova. But, I mean, it, it's hard to predict because we don't know. And then, like I said, I mean, realistically, does he leave after this year? I mean, your chances right now are probably not. Like, you don't think because we know what kind of contract he has there. Um, you know, if things just go completely south and they just they wind up winning 10 games or something, then I think, you know, people are going to be losing their minds. But uh, at the same time, this is a question we're going to have after every single offseason, no matter whether Kentucky wins, Kentucky loses. Um, Calipari is going to be linked to an NBA job. And I think it's just a matter of eventually, does he want to go that route uh, to where he can get back to that point? I don't think he just leaves for any situation. I don't think he's leaving to take over a, you know, a head coaching job in the NBA with a bad, bad team that's going to lose, you know, 50-plus games for the next five years. I just don't see him doing that. I think the only way he leaves is if he's able to walk into a situation uh, where he can win right away uh, because otherwise, you know, he's, he's got, if not the best job in college basketball, he's got a top three job in college basketball. So um, that's not exactly one you're going to be walk, one to walk away from um, or just anything. Staying in the SEC, we're going to start with the bottom half a little bit. Let's talk about a team like Ole Miss. Kermit Davis, That I, I really, truly don't know what's going on with them. They don't have an offensive identity. Devontae Shuler hasn't been what they've expected this year. 
What what is the answer for Ole Miss and Kermit Davis heading heading towards this uh, downward slope to the SEC tournament? Yeah, I mean they've they've got a problem that I think some of the other SEC teams don't necessarily have, and that's just they're just not you know they're not great on offense, and they they are great on defense at times, but they're just not great on offense, and they've played a pretty tough schedule at this point too. I think if you look at their losses, not like they just have a truly terrible loss anywhere, but it's just that they have not been able to score enough consistently to be able to win You know, some of these games they feel like they should be able to win. Uh, they've got this stretch coming up that I think we're really going to learn a whole lot more about them. They've got Georgia, Mississippi State, and A&M. I think those three games will tell us a lot uh, because, you know, realistically, I think if you're Ole Miss, you, you feel like you have to go at least 2-1 and one in those stretch of three games if you want to be in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see. They're just, you know, they do have some experience. They brought in transfers, and that's what we talk about. I mean, some of these guys have come in and played well, uh, but it does take a little while too. When you have newcomers uh, and have the kind of off season that we had in college basketball, it's just this is a year where I think you could make all the predictions you want, uh, but just crazy things have happened this season. And I think for a team like Ole Miss, uh, they've just got a way to, to find a way to, to score more consistently because if they don't. Their defense will keep them in games, uh, but there's only you know a certain point where you play an overwhelming offensive team like LSU, where they're going to be able to break out and get you know six points quick in a hurry, and you just can't find enough offense to be able to keep up. So I think for them, that's going to be the big focus focal point for the rest of the way. Now, Nashville, Jerry Stackhouse has produced what seems to be a pretty decent product on the court. They haven't gotten it done in the win and loss column just yet. But talk about Jerry Stackhouse so far and the job he's done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's the team that's getting better. I think you can see that on the floor. Um, and that they're improving. But the problem was that they were just so far behind. And, you know, when he took over, I think we kind of said, hey, this is not something that they're going to be able to figure out in two years. Like, it's going to take three-plus years probably for them to be at that point to where they're going to even have a chance. And we're not even talking about making the NCAA tournament, I think. I think we're just talking about, you know, getting above that top, that bottom four in the SEC. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the trajectory they're still on, you would think, based on how they played this season. You know, they're going to make it – I think they're going to compete with some of these teams and maybe uh, play a bit of a spoiler role once we get to February with some of these teams that maybe are trying to find wins to get to the tournament because they played – pretty well, but I just they don't have the depth right now. Um, you know, they've got a star in Scotty Pippen. He's probably one of the top five players in the league right now. Uh, but I, they just, you know, that's the thing, too, is I mean, if you think about Vanderbilt and you're trying to rebuild, Scotty Pippen's so good that he's going to get NBA attention after this season. And so if he, as a sophomore, leaves, then what? They just like you're starting over again. And so I think Vanderbilt's just at a point right now to where it's just, I don't know. I think they fell so far behind all the other programs around the SEC, for the most part, have been improving. And when they fell behind the way they did, when they didn't win a game and, you know, in SEC play and they had that long streak of not being able to win one, that was just something we haven't seen in a long time. And so I think they put themselves backwards to the point to where they're trying to play catch-up still, uh, but that catch-up is not something that's happening in a hurry. Um, so I think really next year is probably the best way to start gauging really what the direction of the program is going to be. Uh, because this year, Again, they may win a couple games along the way, but right now I think they just don't have the depth to be able to on a nightly basis to win some of these games. Moving up the ladder, it really seems like Arkansas, Auburn, uh, Florida, they're right there at it. 
especially talk about the Razorbacks and Auburn a little bit and what you expect out of them the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's going to be tough now because they've got Sharif Cooper. Um, and I think I brought up someone earlier that the thing with Auburn is that they literally have nothing to lose at this point. Um, they bring Sharif Cooper in. They know they're not playing until the NCAA tournament because they banned themselves from it. Um, so they have no pressure on them the rest of the way. And I think that's going to make it hard for some of these teams, you know, in that top half of the SEC that are trying to find some NCAA tournament wins, um, playing a team like Auburn that has nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them. Uh, so I think Auburn's going to wind up being a team that wins some games here and may, you know, wind up costing some of these teams for making the tournament uh, late in the season. With Arkansas, they don't have any, you know, to this point, Arkansas has nothing on their resume. And I think that's the problem for them. They've got 10 wins, but if you're the NCAA tournament committee and you're looking at it, well, none of those 10 wins right now just completely stand out to you as just going to wow you. Uh, and they've lost, you know, they've lost the three games that would have made a, a, something on their resume in terms of Tennessee, LSU, and Missouri. So I think Arkansas just got to find some good wins somewhere. And, you know, the thing is, they're going to have their opportunities. I mean, they've still got Alabama twice. They play them on Saturday. Um, you know, I think they've got Oklahoma State. Of course, Kentucky, who knows where they're at. So LSU, games like that. So I think they just, they've got to beat some good teams. And until they do that, uh, they're talented. But until they can beat good teams, uh, it's really hard to know kind of where Arkansas is going to fall. Now looking at the top two teams in a league, Alabama and Tennessee, a lot of people are high on Tennessee coming into the year, overlooking Alabama. But now Alabama seems to have taken the place as the top dog of the SEC. How do you see that one and two battle? Well, and LSU as well. How do you see that three-team uh, battle playing out as the season progresses? Yeah, those are the top three, uh, without question at this point. I mean, I know Alabama's beating Tennessee. I still think if you ask me long term, I would probably still take Tennessee just because I think their their defense is something that you know. Let's say I'm not saying Tennessee would beat Gonzaga tomorrow, but I do think there's an element to them that you know maybe there's possibility with the way Tennessee is made up in terms of their length, their athleticism, uh, just the way they play defense. You know, they can have a shot essentially uh, to make things interesting there, but. I think Tennessee, they're getting better, and I think once their offense starts to sort of hit its groove, they're going to be really tough to beat. Uh, and for Alabama, you know, I think injuries aside here recently, Alabama's just become a team that, you know, we talk about depth. I mean, they've, they've got the depth, and I think they've got something that you have to have to win in the SEC now, and that's, that's guards. Like, they've got guards, and they have multiple guards that they can go to, and guys that can score. Uh, you know, they can pass, they can do anything they need to do. And I think that's the thing for Alabama is that they're so good on offense at times uh, that they're, they can just overwhelm you in a hurry. You saw them do that against Kentucky the other night uh, to where, you know, one point you feel like it's a close game and all of a sudden Alabama wins by 20. Uh, so I think that's the type of team Alabama is and they've got better on defense. So those two to me are definitely the top two right now. And, and you know, again, you could probably switch them in any order. I wouldn't see many, many issues with it uh, just based on how they're both playing. Uh, and then with LSU, I mean, they've got two of the arguably top three players in the league right now, and Dan Thomas and Trenton Wofford. So they're always going to have a chance. They've just got to play better defense. Uh, their offense, though, is, you know, we talk about teams overwhelming other teams. Like LSU on offense, they're really good. And so I think if they can just be more consistent, that's been the problem since I think Will Wade's been there is their defense just hasn't been to the level that they've wanted to be. If they can get there, um, LSU can certainly eclipse Alabama or Tennessee because they just got – They've got future NBA talent on the roster. Anytime you have that, you're going to give yourself a chance. He is Blake Lovell, the associate uh, editor of Blue Ribbon College Basketball. Your book. Tell them where they can follow you on Twitter, Blake. Yeah, 
Yeah, I appreciate it, Mitch. Uh, at the Blake level, uh, you can check it out there. And uh, you mentioned the Blue Urban Yearbook. Uh, BlueUrbanYearbook.com, uh, we still got that available. I know uh, the season's going on, but it's a great resource. Uh, lots of information there if you want to use it. Uh, sort of your guidebook for the rest of the year. Uh, great resource that you can find there at BlueUrbanYearbook.com. I will say this about the Blue Ribbon Yearbook. I, I order it every year, and I use it on podcasts and articles. So I, my audience and myself appreciate everything you guys do there at Blue Ribbon. Yeah, I always appreciate it. We, you know, especially this year, I think we've talked about it before. It was, uh, it was a challenge to put everything together this season, uh, just with the information and the type of off-season that we had. But uh, we always enjoy doing it, and, uh, yeah, just trying to get people a great insight uh, into all the teams around the country. Blake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks as always, Mitch. You have been listening to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast and the Mitch Davis Show podcasts as well. I've been your host and founder, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at Mitch Davis underscore eight. Head on over to the website for a live game thread of the Ole Miss and Georgia game at the MitchDavisShow.com. And be sure you head on over to the Facebook and Instagram pages by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show. Give those a follow. Give those a like. And if you like the podcast, you like the website, share it with your friends and family as well as we get ready to have an amazing final stretch of the college basketball season. Heading to March Madness and heading to the postseason, there is not a better time in college basketball than that. Start of January, early February, it's the time to be a college basketball fan. I want to give a very special thank you to Blake Lovell for coming on today's podcast, session editor of the Blue Four, Blue Ribbon Yearbook, and Blue Ribbon Report. You can follow Blake Lovell by typing in at on Twitter at the Blake Lovell on Twitter. I'll tell you what, if you like college basketball, he is an amazing follow. So be sure you follow him. Follow me as well by simply typing in Mitch Davis underscore eight. And until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Full Court Press basketball podcast. And also thank you, as usual, for listening to the Mitch Davis Show and visiting the MitchDavisShow.com. Have a safe one. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And enjoy your family and enjoy some amazing college basketball this week.